When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Screen Talk. I'm Ann Thompson of IndieWire, and we've got, uh, again, returning uh, for a guest visit, Marcus Jones, our awards editor. And we Hello. are... Uh, <laughs> We're still in the thick of the of the festival season, believe it or not, because in L.A. we have uh, the AFI Fest, which recently uh, wrapped up. And he uh, you know, when every year when AFI Fest comes around, it's like um, and often the AFM is going on at the same time out in Santa Monica. It's always very busy. It's just <laughs> it reaches a certain peak of of craziness because there's so many people around and so many interviews to do. And and uh and I'm sure you're feeling that too, Marcus. So, what were some of the highlights of uh, what, of the AFI Fest, and and how would you um, put the AFI Fest in the sort of context of other festivals? What's its role in the world? Yeah, I would say to answer the second part first that this is really LA's chance to see a lot of the films that were uh, in the mix during fall festival season. So you're seeing that Maestro was the closing film, All of the Strangers was in there. And so American Fiction was a big screening. And I think the uh, Robert Townsend did the Q&A with Ford Jefferson, which I think was a inspired choice. But yeah, so uh, I think it varies to degrees. I think this year was super important for inter- people trying to catch up on international films, international yeah. feature contenders, I think. Yeah. That was definitely what we were doing this year. But last year, you look at it and like that was where Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio really launched its campaign. It was a huge Fableman screening in L.A. And so it varies year to year, but it is uh, it can be kind of the final boost or the final destination to really premiere a film that could be an awards play though um it i've opened... already forgotten i've already forgotten the opening night movie i was gonna say unmemorable title i was gonna say the end of the world the leave the world so leave this movie behind everybody <laughs> <laughs> i disagree i love style i love just going wild spinning the camera any which way Let's go for it. I'm. It was, I think it was. It was fun. I had a really good time with my friend, who's a who's a an, a producer who develops scripts and stuff. And he he and I went through it with with a fine tooth comb, just deconstructing everything <laughs> that was wrong with the script, which can be you know a good time. But um, and I also didn't think it was a good uh, role for Julia Roberts, who I revere. I, I love her, um, mm. and I admire her for being willing to show her age, you know, and not, and not uh, playing younger than she is. Uh, But in, and I, and Ethan Hawke, I adore, uh, but this, this was not a good role for her. It was a very unpleasant, she obviously (laughs) took it on because she was willing 
to uh, serve the message of the movie. She was a producer mm-hmm. on it. So, um, but uh, it, it's a story. It's a it's a, it's a dystopian uh, thriller that you know posits the end of the world basically. And this family, um, this sort of woman and her husband and her her child are are um, staying in a in an Airbnb, a beautiful mansion <laughs> in the country. And then the people who live there come back because there's an outage in New York. And so you're with um, the fabulous Mahershala Ali and his child. So so you have a, a, a very um, wary and skeptical and um, perhaps racist approach. From, uh, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> no, I think that was a highlight, though, because, of course, you have uh, your take on Julia's uh, performance. But I was so happy to see Myhala, who is known for industry on HBO and Bodies, 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 just really she was terrific, terrific. her playing Mahershala's daughter uh, in the film. And so. Uh, that was definitely my way in uh, rooting for her. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll that's going to show up uh, on on uh, Netflix, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that was a that was a premiere. But otherwise, I did catch up on um, Society of the Snow, which is J. A. Uh, Bayona's latest movie. He went back to Spain. He's been working on it for like ten years. This is a filmmaker that I have long admired. I I loved. Um, the orphanage, which was in Spanish, which was sort of his breakout. I loved the the impossible, which was a survivor movie, which introduced Tom Holland, believe it or not, exactly um, to the world. And uh, and he he went on to do uh, one of the Jurassic Park movies, and I thought did it beautifully. He's a, he's an incredible craftsman, and this movie takes on the story that you may remember from Alive of the Uruguayan um, soccer team uh, stranded. Rugby. I thought it was soccer too because Rugby. yellow jackets, but. Sorry about that. So they end up in the uh, in the mountains, uh, stranded and invisible and uh, resorting to various ways of surviving that are unpleasant <laughs> to say the least, cannibalism being the, the word, but it isn't gross. It isn't horrible. Um, and if you read the book, it's not as graphic as, as the book. Uh, what did you think of it? I was definitely nervous. I'm not one to watch stories about cannibalism. And uh, I think that it's so immediately devastating because, like I said, like we have yellow jackets fresh in our minds, which is kind of a play on the story a little bit. But when the plane crashes, they're just stuck on a snowy mountain. And it's immediately clear that there's not any resources there and so you're immediately uh feeling the sort of hopelessness of being in that environment and yeah there were just times where i was ready to like burst into tears at how uh bleak it was beautiful man and the man who's uh narrating it um is this sort of poet yeah this lovely spiritual guy, very beautiful, and 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 they all respect him and, and admire him, and he's he's telling the story, and it's it's uh, it's often very moving. Uh, yeah, that was the thing. It's deeply die, people poetic, die, yeah, and they die in different ways and, and in different uh, 
Same. But it wasn't like exploitative. No. It wasn't you're you're not like when's the cannibalism coming? <laughs> no, no not at all. They were very discreet. But the the Q and A yeah. came along, and and there were two survivors there. Oh wow! And and they were uh, uh, still beautiful, right? You know, uh, and mm. and and very happy with the movie. It really, as far as they were concerned, it really captured what they what they went through spiritually as well. Right. You know, and and uh, and you could see when you talk to Biona, he's just one of those very serious, very passionate people who takes it all, uh, you know, deeply seriously. And and that it's in the movie. It shows. Yeah, I that's think a, that's that's a Spanish strong. entry, and that's yeah. also Netflix. Netflix uh, came on board of, of that. What else did you catch up with? Well, we both saw Memory. Right. Okay, so you did see it. Um, I thought that that was very strong, and mm -hmm. um, it goes in one direction early on, and there are definitely some people who are like, "Oh, this is not the movie that I want to watch." Um, and it takes a turn that really works out in the end. I think that Jessica Chastain and Peter Sarsgaard together are really a wonderful pair. And I think they were right. Uh, I believe it was Jessica requesting, let me work with Peter. But that was the right move. I think that seeing them opposite each other as these sort of um, people persevering through real they're both damaged. Real toughness, yeah. They're both damaged, very deeply damaged, and um, and they find they find some some resources in each other, um, yeah. and looking after each other. I was um very moved by it, and the acting is amazing. Um, yeah. Jessica and Peter are both amazing. Um, yeah. And Michelle Franco, the Mexican director who I've admired for a long time. Um, what he does is he makes this very spare, austere, uh, no frills uh, movie, very controlled, very detailed, but it's not expected. It doesn't go in the, you know, in the directions that you think they're the romantic trope, such it is, such as it is, does not play out the way you would expect. And um, the children are important. The support workers in their lives are important. The families, everything was good. I I, I liked it. What's going to happen to it is mm -hmm. another matter. Uh, <laughs> it's been it's been picked up. Catch up entertainment. So what do we know about them? I know that nothing. they released um, Hypnotic, which I don't know if you remember that film from this year, but that was the Robert Rodriguez film starring Ben Affleck that. Did not fare too well at the box office and Ben critics. did not go to the premiere, even though he went to uh, J-Lo's premiere of The Mother. That oh, that's hilarious. Movie. That's hilarious. I had forgotten um, all of that. Well, this yeah. movie is actors will like it. it. It's not. But there's a lot of competition. And so it's such an interesting question of what's going to happen this year because of the strike. Right. So they have a, a waiver so they can work and they are they've made the decision to open it before the end of the year, which very recently. So yeah. they're coming in very late, even though it started in Venice. So it's a it's a question of what they can accomplish with presumably limited means <laughs> between now and the end. Now, Andrea Riseborough accomplished a great deal with with a very good performance in a very small but good movie. And and this qualifies for those things. But um I don't know what they can manage. I think they're being very realistic about it because ultimately, one, like 
the fact that Peter won Best Actor at Venice is a big deal, but um, he's being submitted for Best Supporting Actor uh, in the Oscar race. Um, and he's definitely someone that you can see a lot of actors getting behind because he's been at it so long he's, and he's has done popular. really great work. But I think the fact that it's supporting actor in particular uh, does show a, a, a realistic view of how the film could enter the awards race. Okay. So Jessica just won recently, a few years ago mm -hmm. uh, for the eyes of, of Tammy Faye. And uh, she is so good so often that I, you know, she was incredible in the George and Tammy series right. uh, recently, uh, which is. He's going to have to wait a long time for that Emmy. That's uh, right. Not until January. That's right. So I, I, but that doesn't hurt. But on the other hand, I think people almost take her for granted. And I right. think she gives ex an extraordinary performance here in a way. Peter's performance is less showy even mm -hmm. though he's playing um, a particular disability that that is interesting to to see unfold, and I haven't I haven't seen it portrayed this way, um, right. so it's 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 interesting. But I I don't know I don't know. She has the I think she has the showier part. Right. Um, there's more dr dramatics going yeah. on. It's just best actress. I mean, that is a tough race to enter. But impossible, um, impossible. Yeah. I should say the other thing too, Peter was the one who was front and center this weekend at the AFI Fest screening. Um, Jessica was not in attendance, but hopefully she's taking a break because she had an Emmy's campaign, a Tony's campaign this year. That's right. Uh, she was at Venice, so she's really been out and about. The dollhouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's okay. Good to take so, a rest. Yeah. So that that was I was glad to catch up with with that. And then um I saw four daughters, which mm -hmm. is one of the foreign entries, which is also a doc entry. So this is one of those hybrid movies that it played at Cannes. It, it, it shared the uh, doc prize at Cannes. So at least the doc jury at Cannes gave it points. Um, for being a good documentary, but I could I could see the documentary branch of the Academy, not all of them embracing her uh, approach, which yeah. is to mix actors with the real people and try to tell the story by showing the interaction between the two. Yeah, and yeah. there's all sorts of questions when that happens of what kind of revisited trauma is coming back and and you know it's it's a i actually admired it i i think i think it works but it's audacious it's radical and it's a question of how many people are going to embrace that yeah yeah i can imagine it's tough i think the um film that i saw italy's entry io capitano is similar in that you are seeing a real life story of such like imminent struggle because you see um the migrant journey from senegal through the desert of africa and the human trafficking of libya and that struggle to get out and then finally having to get on these rickety boats and cross the mediterranean with such little guidance i think 
sort of these films that are having us relive these people's struggle. It's such a tricky line to be on. And so it's it's very cool to see the ways that like the filmmakers well, of Four Daughters, Io Capitano, are taking these approaches. Well, Matteo Garone is one of yeah. the great filmmakers. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, even if it is a grim slog. <laughs> I well, I think slog maybe. <laughs> I'm not. I I'm not that necessarily harsh about it. I think he is a talented filmmaker, but it is a tough watch. Uh, sort of seeing what they go through, and I imagine same with four daughters. There's uh times that are really heartbreaking. So part of what's going on is that we're heading into the December voting for the shortlist. So a lot of campaigning is is going on and eventually we will have the, the shortlist announced and, and we'll find out what the 15 uh, docs are, the 15 international films and a lot of the other craft categories as well. So it's, it's an, you know, there's a lot going on as yeah. As we proceed but um so what the other movie that we were tracking that we started watching it uh we saw it at telluride was bike riders yes so this is jeff nichols this is the extraordinary trio of jody comer austin butler and uh the inimitable uh the extraordinary <laughs> tom hardy <laughs> there we go quite the he, intro for tom he hardy will not, he will this... not be named but um he is amazing in it. And so yeah. we are heading into, um, you know, that was going on its merry way. And they suddenly withdrew it and pushed it back. And they don't know if they're going to open it in December or not. And what do you make of that? What's your analysis of that, of that news? I mean, part of me is like, let's get it over with. We like the film. I think there's definitely an audience for it. It maybe isn't getting the response that they necessarily wanted. Uh having its big uh, premiere at Telluride. But on the same end, if they were to make the ultimate decision of like, we want to wait until the strike's over, we want Tom, Jody, Austin front and center, and there's even more people, Michael Shannon, um, Toby Wallace is a new breakout that's in, uh, you mentioned he was in the Royal Hotel, but it's uh, a really good cast. But with all this talk of what's going to happen next year, if they were to wait, then maybe it will have more of an awards play in 2024. So it's I, interesting I to see it play out. But this is one of those neither fish nor fowl kind of movies where yeah, sometimes they call it a tweener, right? Yeah. Or just in terms of, of what is the audience for this movie? And and I know the the actors in the Academy are going to go for it. That's not a question because the acting is so good. But but it had, you know, it, it's a genre movie. It's a but it's an art movie. It's it's, you know, noisy and people are on motorcycles wearing leather jackets. Yeah. And, and people are having long, intense conversations in front of the camera. So it is it is not either thing. It's not a genre movie and it's not a, not a, not an art film. So so what I think that may be behind Disney's questions about its commerciality. Honestly, that would be my my guess. But what I think yeah. they're going to do, I think they will qualify it for a week in December and have their cake and eat it, too, and open it in January. There you go. Yeah. Um, I think that, that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I definitely see sort of 
the wider audience for it, I think awards might be tougher. But yeah, this, I've never seen a film where so quickly I was like, oh, watching this with my dad would be excellent. He would love it. Oh, that's this. good. Oh, that's a good sign. All right. Yeah. So coming up, um, we have big shocking news yesterday. Um, we're, we're recording this on Thursday, so it's Wednesday. What the hell? The Writers Guild <laughs> Awards are going to be a month after the Oscars. And yeah. um, I was shocked by this, you know, and then I sort of dug into it and thought about it. And, and it feels like it isn't going to have that much impact on the uh, the Oscars. It'll have an impact on our ability to prognosticate the Oscars. Right. But, but the nominations will come out during the period when people are voting. So that, that will have an impact. Um, there's so many categories that are ineligible anyway, you know, in right. the foreign, a lot of the Brits, uh, animation, these are all irrelevant to yeah. the Writers Guild. Um, so it always has a little bit of an asterisk on it anyway you know yeah. but um what did you what do you think is it gonna is what how is it gonna impact the the ecosystem of the oscars yeah i mean with film awards it's almost like it's the show where it's like we let's get it over with we want to see the winner this is kind of late in the game like just show us who uh we should put our chips behind in the last stretch of uh Oscars right. predictions. They're always at the end. The, the Guild Awards are yeah. the last, last ones. So it would have been nice uh, if it were still before the Oscars, but it's really not the end of the world because, like you said, there is those asterisks on what kind of uh, contenders are allowed in for it. Also, but one of the people I spoke to said, you know, it's it's just a few categories that are yeah. overlapping with the Oscars. They have a, a ton of yeah. other media and podcasts and television and all that um so what do you think the impact on the emmy race would be it's weird i mean kudos to you for really uh unpacking kind of what this could mean but i think on the tv side uh and i should say in a print piece that's what i meant but uh but on the tv side um it is so far into the season that it's probably a month into when Emmy campaigns normally start. And so I it's don't referring think to the year before. Yeah. So normally like for this year, for example, this year uh, at the very beginning of March is when for your consideration events for the Emmys began. And so the House of the Dragons FYC event. And this is where they bring out the cast and uh, crew to talk to Emmy voters and kind of convince them uh, to vote for them. The, uh, House of the Dragon was what kicked it off. And so House of the Dragon was already campaigning for Emmys before the Oscars even happened. And so uh, next year, Presumably, if they keep the same schedule, I don't think they will because it's very unclear what the TV schedule will look like uh, in the winter. Oh, that's but, a good point. Yeah, it's it would. It's well, the strike is, is what's affecting all of this, right? And so, if anything, I mean, long story short, I think it would be a boost to the newer shows that are campaigning for 2024 Emmys, and so the Bear season two or Prime Videos, I'm a Virgo, or the other Black Girl that was on Hulu, some of these newer shows that came out in the summer. But 
Also eligible is something like beef, which will be sort of long over uh, by the time it possibly gets so uh, odd. WGA so, win. Yeah. Um, so what really happened here is that they they were all caught up in the strike, right? That right. was what was going on. And then they went in and looked at the at all the submission dates and you could just see them working backwards trying to figure out how to make it work and they had they they didn't have time for for people to make the submissions uh you know deadlines you know those it's a it's a behind the scenes kind of thing that goes on with all the different guilds and all the different awards but you have to submit and you have to have certain forms filled out and and you know regulations met you know yeah. so, so anyway so they they figured all that out and and but i don't think this will apply to any of the others like pga or nobody the producers right. are on strike right and 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 the this dga they settled you know and 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 so on so i i, I sag is long they have their schedule figured out a long time ago so yeah i don't I don't think any. They're even already still yeah. on strike, even though they're still on strike. Though which, we don't know really, how the I mean, two things. Uh, one, we don't know uh, what exactly the SAG award situation is, because this is the first year that uh, Netflix is fully running it. They did a live stream on their YouTube page, not on the Netflix platform uh, last year. And so. TV are they supposed to do Netflix live? I mean, they've done live events before to varying results. Um, but just the last note on the uh, WJ Awards, it makes sense that uh, TV would be leading the conversation because we always talk about it as kind of uh, a writer's medium. And I think even during sure. the strike, the most vocal uh, people were mostly TV writers. And so... I think that's a part of it as well, like it having more of an effect on the TV races than the okay. film races. Um, it's but, also one of the notoriously long. And yes. <laughs> and on both coasts. <laughs> yeah. When is this when is this going to be over? Um, um, I mean, I, they're always very uh, also very smart and entertaining and they have really good people. But I bet this year will be interesting. I would go, actually, just to see. Yeah. what they say and how they couch what they just went through, you know, the, mm -hmm. the whole experience of, of the strike and the politics. They're very political, the writers, right. you know, so it's a whole um, thing. But yeah, SAG is definitely one to watch. It's uh, kind of all over the place. It's definitely still happening to our knowledge, um, but they've already sort of put it out there that you can't actually campaign, but you can submit, but like is, submitting is kind of campaigning. And so it's uh, uh, complex as they're sort of, I think we hope it a seems lot of mixed like messages there. <laughs> it seems like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully next week crossing this is our fingers yes crossing our fingers yeah on so um, many fronts <laughs> no i heard i did hear one guy say uh that this is anecdotal it doesn't mean that everyone is doing this but some guy some producer was submitting something and was told that the actor they were interested in was reading right <laughs> that is key right yeah it means it means that the that the system is in is is moving. It's 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 not static. Yeah, it's, I told you my forward. favorite was like, uh, "Hey, looks like this might be ending." So here's a big red carpet invite. Oh my <laughs> here's god! Here's like well, twenty names that might 
be there if this gets fixed. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, so there, so that's what's going on. They've booked the roundtables for the Hollywood Reporter and the LA Times, and they we they know who's going to be you know supposedly showing up, if, assuming that all the schedules work out. But I find that amusing, also. You know, yeah. That, that that's all set up. Um, all right. So we the next thing on the big calendar coming up uh, out of the award season is Sundance. Yes. Right? So Sundance is coming up in January and they announced that they're going to on opening night do a lovely tribute uh, honor Christopher Nolan, who you don't think of as a Sundance guy, <laughs> but maybe he's campaigning for Oscars. Maybe, you know, maybe. Could, could be. there you go. Uh, and then you have um, Celine Song for Past Lives, which, of course, made a big splash at Sundance. It is campaigning for the Oscars for real. And then uh, made Alberti, the Chilean uh, documentary filmmaker who has this extraordinary movie, The Eternal Memory, which is part right. of our talk series, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, yeah, we didn't have a chance to go last year, but it definitely is an interesting new um, yes, I did event the that they're doing program last year. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, it, it is smart. I do think Nolan being there is kind of reaching a crowd that may have complicated feelings about him, even though I think uh, across the board, people watched Oppenheimer and were like, that's a good film. Um, and so- There's too much debate about that. Yeah. And I think also there's the perspective as well of like, these are audiences that are really big on like theatrical exhibition and he really is the guy that's uh championing he's the poster boy yeah so there i i mean there's nolan fans in every corner of film but i think that uh it's kind of an off the beaten path smart decision for him to show up there and of course everyone wants to accept a nice award so shout out to him amazing that Celine is there as well I think past lives was the hottest ticket uh it last needs, year and it needs to be brought back into yeah. people's minds it definitely needs a little boost so so the other um and I think I actually think that the eternal memory is a good shot to get a nomination yeah. I'm, I'm not even sort of I'm not even worried about it yeah. um so then on the local exhibition front, we have, um, I mean, we have Vidiots going strong, which is great. We've got the Academy Museum doing its thing, which is great. Um, but what is coming up uh, is the opening of the Egyptian, finally. Wow. Netflix did a big overhaul of this big theater, this big old theater on, on Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, this American Cinematheque has been programming it and will continue to do so. Uh, some of there's a new guy who's going to be um, booking it, but for they're starting out. This is good. They have 70 millimeter projection there. Right. And so they're going to, and they also have nitrate projection. I saw, I happened to see Ca Casablanca there. With oh, cool. Yeah. That was memorable. And you really could see it, it isn't a, um uh it's 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 palpable what 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 you see with an nitrate print it's extraordinary beautiful um and then you have so they're going to show big big 70 millimeter movies for a few for a whole a few. festival yes so what are you what are you watching on tv these days what's what's your oh, like Lord, what would I'm... you recommend to, to <laughs> It was really good. Something really good. I'm so in movie mode, but I will say sort of one of the shows that has been kind of a nice treat for uh, the downtime is there's this show coming to 
Paramount Plus that's actually an Australian import called Colin from Accounts. Um, I think that that I, I think you would enjoy it. it I'm really, writing it down. It really is comparable to a lot of the FX comedies that people have fallen in love with over like the past 10 to 15 years. Um, it's like a black romantic comedy. Like, uh, yeah, I'm in. My guilty pleasure is Loki. <laughs> I love this show, and I love Tom Hiddleston in it, and I always want him. I I, I love Owen Wilson in it. I right. I, you know, I love Gugu Mbathu Raw in it. You know, it's it's all good. Um, so uh, I'm 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 having fun with that. It it, it isn't yeah. taxing my brain in any in any way but there's plenty of money thrown around and so they they <laughs> used. yeah no i mean that's my way i have the marvel shows that i like are the marvel shows that are less talked about i thought miss marvel was brilliant she hulk uh i am one of the people who's like you guys gotta give it a second chance but loki i think i enjoyed it i that episode season one where they're stuck on the planet together i thought was really beautiful um but uh i find some of it to be such an exposition dump of like here's the timeline here's the other timeline this is a very this is the tva blah blah blah, 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 blah. like okay all right this is, i i think i need a pamphlet for this to keep up but uh the additions of uh rafael casal kiwi kwan like they really got great actors on this show and we've got the the villain yeah well <laughs> that's definitely a you may not be named um but yeah i mean that is such a complicated situation we don't have answers to it yet the trial of jonathan majors is going forward and i have to say he's very good in this series right and well yeah that was never the issue he's a great he's actor a very but... good actor yeah i want to recommend beyond utopia is a documentary right. opening this friday which um is about north korea and if you think you know what's going on in north korea you do not no. and this this movie is going to w really open your eyes to because it focuses on these two uh defectors who uh are trying to come over and and the guy this guy that's wonderful sort of heroic guy named pastor kim who's running this underground railroad uh, to help people get through. And it's very complicated because mm -hmm. there's this big demilitarized zone between mind with like 2 million minds between North Korea and South Korea. So you have to go to China, which is communist and hostile to right. people trying to leave North Korea. And you have to go. And then there there's Laos and Cambodia and you have to get to Thailand to yeah. be free. So it's a very complicated uh, riveting. I mean, they got they're tracking these these actual stories and they're heartbreaking. Um so it's I a tense international it. thriller. Like it really takes you on the ground on this family's journey getting out of North Korea. But ultimately there are parts of it that are really hopeful. And so yeah, I totally agree. It's a great watch. It came out of um Sundance this year as well. Okay. Is there anything else you want to recommend for uh, openers this week? Or So next week, uh, I think, is a very uh, cool, uh, fun film uh, dream scenario. And it's another one of these movies that is, oh, Nicolas Cage, return to form. I feel like he's been having a lot of that lately. But here 
he appears as a guy that for some reason is appearing in everyone's dreams uh, and sort of unpacking the attention, the fame that comes with that. I can, I can support the, uh, yeah. the dream scenario scenario. That's a good <laughs> Exactly. The dream scenario scenario. There we go. All right. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks for helping us out. The uh, Ryan will be back next week. Latanzio will really <laughs> there we go. We'll find Thanks out for where he went. Me. Okay. Bye yeah. bye. See ya. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.